With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
begin tonight with what a self-proclaimed wartime president looks like, with more than 137,000 American lives lost in the war. And we should point out what you're about to see is how he wants to look. It's no accident. We're not about to show you some kind of unguarded, unflattering, behind-the-scenes moment. No, this is a picture the president of the United States posed for and put out on his Instagram page. It's the image he chooses to project to the families and the friends and the children and neighbors of 137,000 of his fellow Americans. This is our wartime president today. And while there's plenty more that could be said about the idiotic way it came to be, the pettiness behind it or the political calculations, if any, that went into it, the truth is any attempt to explain or contextualize this grotesque photo only adds the insult. So we'll let it speak for itself. We'll let it be exactly what it is, a picture of the most powerful man on earth facing the most serious challenge on earth right now in the Oval Office behind the famed Resolute Desk, and a can of beans, plus a few other items from aisle nine. Thumbs up, orange, grinning like he's just won a prize. 137,000 Americans dead, and this is our self-proclaimed wartime president's answer to it. He hasn't been to a coronavirus task force meeting since April, we're told. He's been doing everything he can to undermine our nation's scientists. He ignored for crucial weeks the spread of this virus. He's lied about it, thinks it just will magically disappear. And given the death toll and the spread of the virus, you might think he might be spending every waking moment trying to combat it, talking to victims' families, rallying Americans to be patriotic by wearing a mask, washing their hands, protecting their neighbors. But no, this is what he wants the world to see, the infected, the recovering, the newly grieving. Anyone on Instagram, the more clicks for this president, the better. So we want to uh, just hold up this picture. We want to give the president what he is so obviously craving. We're going to keep this ridiculous picture up while we tell you about what is happening on his watch, starting with this assessment today from the nation's top infectious disease specialist and senior member of his own task force, the one he's been undermining, that is when he's not posing with canned beans. The problem is, since we started off our baseline so high, as we tried to open up, and what we saw was it went from 20,000 cases a day to 30, 40, 50, and now we're hanging around 60,000. That's untenable. We've got to turn that around. In fact, as we left you last night, new data came in from the Johns Hopkins University School of Public Health showing another 67,417 new cases. That's the most ever in a single day anywhere on Earth, the majority of whom will develop symptoms. Many will be hospitalized in just a matter of weeks. By current mortality estimates of those 67,000 people, about 2,700 will die. Nationwide, new cases are now rising in 38 out of 50 states. They're holding steady in nine and dropping in just three, Maine, Delaware, and Arizona. For Arizona, though, which has been hit so hard lately, this may not be a sign the worst is over. A record number of people are hospitalized, and as Dr. Quinn Snyder from Mesa, Arizona, told us last night, there's no room left for more. Patients, he said, are being transported elsewhere or even out of state because ICUs are simply out of capacity. Also, as you might imagine, deaths are trending upward, and positivity rates remain above 20%. That is, when people can get tested, which many still can't. For the first time in the outbreak, Houston's death toll is in double digits for a single day. And hospitals there are full. Miami-Dade County today reported is now out of ICU beds. Dr. Aileen Marty, who's been on the program several times recently, said today, quote, on a scale of 1 to 10, we're at a maximum capacity. We're at maximum urgency. We need to turn this thing around right now. Florida's governor has still not even issued a statewide mask mandate. Alabama's Republican governor today did. Oklahoma's governor, who attended the president's rally in Tulsa, he has now tested positive. 
Walmart, the nation's largest retailer, is now requiring all customers to wear face coverings in their store. The president, though, having shown that he can wear a mask, once again refused to during his trip to Atlanta today. He did not wear a mask, did not mention the lives lost, did not mention the record case count or how to get those numbers down. But he did once again say that he thinks there are 21 different names for what he calls the China, China virus, because apparently that line sounds funny to him, despite the fact that comments like that stoke racist sentiment against Asian Americans. He also blamed others for the campaign he's been heading lately, not against the virus, but the man fighting it, Dr. Fauci. He threw his, his trade advisor, Peter Navarro, under the bus after Navarro, who has zero knowledge of viruses or epidemics, but likes to talk about how he went to Harvard and understands science because, uh, because he's a social scientist, wrote an op-ed criticizing the nation's foremost expert in the field. We're all on the same team, including Dr. Fauci. I have a very good relationship with Dr. Fauci. Well, that's Peter Navarro, but I have a very good relationship with Dr. Fauci. The president doesn't even have the courage to publicly attack Dr. Fauci. That's how weak he is. He has his hangers on do it, like Peter Navarro, and he winks at them and nods approval. But publicly, when the cameras are rolling, everything's great with Fauci. But he's undercutting him every step of the way. They don't allow Fauci on, on our town halls, on a lot of television programs anymore. They don't want you to see him. They send him to other meetings when the few times the virus task force is holding a, an actual briefing, at least the last time they did. That's our wartime president, the guy sitting behind his desk with cans of beans. And that's what the president is doing in addition to endorsing cans of, cans of beans with 137,000 Americans dead and many more dying. He's trying to do damage control and the damage that he himself has done. In a new Quinnipiac poll, only 30% of people surveyed said they trust the information the president is providing on the outbreak. Frankly, it's startling that it's that high. 67% said they distrust it. For Dr. Fauci, that figure is reversed. He's trusted by a margin of 65 to 26%, which may explain why he's been marginalized, kept off national television. It may explain why the president has re retweeted fire Fauci memes about him and undercut him in public. According to reporting, the Los Angeles Times, the president himself approved of that Peter Navarro op-ed, the paper citing one administration official who said, quote, not only was he authorized by Trump, he was encouraged. That's the way this president works. Publicly denies it, privately he encourages. But the president apparently did not have the guts to admit it publicly, and we shouldn't be surprised by that, or to tell the public why he disagreed with Dr. Fauci. The man who claims to know more about the military than the nation's top generals apparently has nothing to say now, but Fauci thankfully does. They are really, I think, taken aback by what a big mistake that was, and I think if you talk to reasonable people in the White House, they realize that was a major mistake on their part because it doesn't do anything but reflect poorly on them. And, and I don't think that that was their intention. I don't know. I cannot figure out in my wildest dreams why they would want to do that. But, I mean, I think they realize now that that was not a prudent thing to do because it's only reflecting negatively on them. I can't explain Peter Navarro. He's in a world by himself. So I don't even want to go there. The fact is, though, Dr. Fauci's wrong. He's not in a world by himself. He works in the White House. He works for the most powerful man in the country. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason he is in the White House, because the president wants him there. So Dr. Fauci is trying to ascribe good motives to a lot of folks in the White House who maybe are talking to him and privately are saying, gosh, that was a really terrible thing. We don't know why he would do that. We feel terrible about it. But they won't say that to the president's face. They'll say that to, to Fauci privately. They won't say that publicly. They don't have the guts either. And that's why they work for the commander in chief, because he has no guts either.
Whatever the, whatever the answer, the administration today put out this picture of Dr. Fauci at today's task force meeting. They're following the lead of the president publicly. Again, they pretend everything is fine. So here they put out very intentionally a picture of him talking with Vice President Pence. But again, behind his back, they try to destroy the man who has more credibility than any of them. None of this would matter. wouldn't amount to a hill of beans, but this is our president. And people are dying. And people are sick. And more will die. And more will get sick. And our economy is in shambles. We're in a public health battle for our lives and our futures. And the president is sitting there behind the resolute desk resolutely clutching at beans. Joining us now, CNN Chief Medical Correspondent Dr. Sanjay Gupta, also William uh, Hazeltine, former Harvard researcher and recent author of A Family Guide to
Recent reports have shown us that the deficit is growing at an alarming rate. And in fact, the tax cuts that Republicans put in place at the end of last year uh, have ballooned the deficit by more than 20%. Just that one piece of legislation, 20% increase in the deficit. Now, Republicans during the Obama years were absolutely up in arms over the fact that the deficit was getting out of control. But during the Bush years, when Dick Cheney said deficits don't matter, they believed it. They were like, yeah, let's just spend all the money and not worry about it. Obama came along, increased spending to help save the economy, which he did, uh, and they were furious. But now they're back in charge. So once again, deficits don't matter. And to an extent, they really don't until that ballooning deficit is used to kill programs that actually help keep American citizens alive, which unfortunately is the scenario playing out right now. Realizing that the deficit is growing at a rate that they cannot hope to sustain or even pay down, Republicans have increased their calls to cut social safety net programs that millions of American citizens have been paying into for their entire working lives, and they are therefore entitled to them. That is why they're called entitlement programs. We've already paid in all the money for them. We just want to get our money back. But Republicans don't want to do that. They want to take the money that we've paid in and give it to the wealthy elite, the top 1%, in the form of tax cuts. Right now, we have uh, Representative Steve Stivers. He's the most recent one. He is a Republican from Ohio. He went on CNBC this week to say that, you know, because of this deficit situation that is caused by our tax cuts, we need to look at entitlement reform. We need to cut Social Security and Medicare. Uh, Paul Ryan made it very clear. He stated specifically at the end of 2017 that the next thing on his agenda now that he's passed the tax cuts. Now the U.S. leads the world in coronavirus cases by a lot. The U.S. is just over 4% of the world's population yet represents 31% total cases. And the president somehow thinks that's a good thing. When we have a lot of cases, I don't look at that as a bad thing. I look at that as, in a certain respect, as being a good thing because it means our testing is much better. So if we were testing a million people instead of 14 million people, we would have far fewer cases, right? So. I view it as a badge of honor. Really, it's a badge of honor. It's a great tribute to the testing and all of the work that a lot of professionals have done. I mean, aside from the fact that most believe that this president has botched this crisis from the get-go, and this will be known in history worldwide as a human catastrophe that he could have prevented. Um, and he's trying to deflect at all times. And Willie and Mike, he's uh, tweeting again all sorts of crazy things. Uh, once again, uh, tweeting conspiracy theories about Joe, falsely accusing him of murder, talking about the death of a young staffer in his congressional office years ago, and calling him dangerous to walk the streets. And I'll just say, I'll take a point of personal privilege here. That's sick. Donald, you're a sick person. You're a sick person to put this family through this, to put her husband through this, to do this just because you're mad at Joe because Joe got you again today because he speaks the truth and he speaks plainly. 
about your lack of interest and empathy in others and your lack of ability to handle this massive human catastrophe, the fact that you've made it worse and that you make it worse every day and that you won't even wear a mask to protect people from your germs. But the germs you're spreading on Twitter, first of all, Twitter, you shouldn't be allowing this and you should be taking these tweets down and you should be ashamed of yourself. You'll be hearing from me on this because this is BS. But Donald, you're a sick person. You're really a cruel, sick, disgusting person. And you can keep tweeting about Joe, but you're just hurting other people. And of course, you're hurting yourself. Willie, why don't Thanks for checking out MSNBC. Shut up! 
the Dollamore Daily, and I'm Jesse Dollamore. To be president means to have a lot on your plate, a lot of responsibility. The health and welfare of almost 350 million Americans. It means the defense, providing for the common defense of the nation, being the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. It means a lot. It's an important, maybe the most important job on the planet, because what happens here, even economically, affects countries all across the world. What happens here ripples out across the globe and affects other countries. That's not to say that the the president is the be-all, end-all of everything. Certainly not as a position, but absolutely important. One of the reasons why we need to vet the candidates well, vet the people for whom we vote for president. Right now we have a man who is historically incompetent, historically unqualified for the position. And I'm going to talk about three different tweets that he tweeted out on the 12th. Because Donald Trump invests more time on Twitter than he does his actual duties as president. Donald Trump, it's been reported many, many, many times about his time the time that he doesn't spend in the Oval Office of the White House. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, the, the executive time, they call it, in the White House. That he's up in the, the residence watching television, watching Fox News, watching the, the cable morning shows, rather than doing his job, rather than being up bright and early in the Oval Office to deal with the business of the country especially in times like this while we face the coronavirus. Because as, as I'm speaking right now, give you the updated numbers, there are over 1.3 million confirmed cases of coronavirus and 83,249 Americans have died as a result. At least, at least 83,249 Americans have died due to coronavirus. Those numbers are being updated. And Donald Trump has time to tweet some of the following. At 7, excuse me, three hours ahead, 10.56 a.m. on May 12th, remember this, every governor who has sky-high approval on their handling of the coronavirus, and I am happy for them all, could in no way have gotten those numbers or had that success without me and the federal government's help. From ventilators to testing, we made it happen. So, I'm happier for all of them who have sky-high approval ratings, but without me, 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 without the help of the tangerine titan, they wouldn't be well-liked, as well-liked as they are right now. Because he is obsessed with approval ratings. He is obsessed with ratings. He is just obsessed with what people think about him. Which is bizarre, knowing that well over half the country despises him. Is opposed to him. 
Well over half the country disapproves of his job performance. Just before that, 11 minutes before that, he tweeted, bragging about his, his judges and the Second Amendment, saying, so interesting to see all these people I beat so badly, pundits and consultants that never had a chance telling me how to run for office. Many are Republicans who should love our 280 new judges, rebuilt military, Second Amendment, great Veterans Administration, low taxes, etc. Just don't like that I beat them. First of all, let's address a couple of these things. 280 new radical right-wing unqualified judges, many of whom are deemed unqualified by the American Bar Association, who are getting confirmed by Mitch McConnell's Senate. Secondly, rebuilt military. We're spending more on our military than we ever have before. We don't need to. We spend more on our military, the United States military, than like the next eight countries do combined. If you combine the spending of the, 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 the next eight countries, it doesn't equal ours. We don't need the military we have right now. It doesn't need to be that. And now he, and he's also taken credit for the Second Amendment. Apparently he's a lot older than we, than we think. And, you know, he was born right around 1789. Had a, had a hand in crafting the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. And then, of course, the great VA, you know, Veterans Choice, which Obama signed, which Donald Trump takes credit for, and low taxes. His eye is not on the ball. He's not focusing on what he needs to be focusing on, which is the 83,249 Americans who have now died, largely due to his inaction in response to this pandemic. And then the piece de resistance. Just before that tweet, apparently watching Joe Scarborough, who had just reported on uh, polling numbers being down for Donald Trump, he tweets this gem. Again, the President of the United States of America, and we already know Sean Spicer has said that a statement from the Twitter account of the President of the United States is an official statement. It is an official record. President of the United States, when will they open a cold case on the psycho Joe Scarborough matter in Florida? Did he get away with murder? Some people think so. Why did he leave Congress so quietly and quickly? Isn't it obvious what's happening now? A total nut job. That's the President of the United States of America accusing a former sitting member of Congress of murder. Sit with that. Donald Trump is accusing Joe Scarborough from Morning Joe on MSNBC of murder. And if he truly believed it, why isn't he not dispatching the FBI, the Justice Department, the full weight of the United States government to bring to justice a murderer. Well, he's not doing that because it's a debunked conspiracy theory. According, well, well, let me give a little background. 
there was a, a, a staffer in his office named Lori Clausudis. And in 2001, she was found dead in his office. His office in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. This is a conspiracy theory. According to the Associated Press, an autopsy revealed that Clausudis had an undiagnosed heart condition, and a coroner concluded she passed out and hit her head as she fell. The coroner said the injury caused the death, but she wasn't struck by another person. The death occurred a month after Scarborough announced he was leaving office. Scarborough was in Washington when Clausudis died. So the death officially has been ruled not a murder that she had an undiagnosed heart condition that they found when they did the autopsy, that she had passed out, she fell down, and she struck her head on the corner of a desk, which is what caused her death. And then that he left so quickly and quietly from office, this happened after he announced he was going to leave office. There was no, oh, I, I killed this woman and now I have to leave. None of that happened. Because Donald Trump, the president, is a conspiracy theory idiot. He is a behemoth of brainlessness. When you're down and troubled.
the Dollamore Daily, and I'm Jesse Dollamore. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Let's talk about a couple things. The other day, Donald Trump held a press conference that was completely off the rails. I'm sure you've heard, uh, whether you've heard the actual clips or heard about him talk, uh, him saying that the president's authority is total and complete, like he's an authoritarian, or certainly points to the fact that he truly really does want to be. I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about an exchange that happened early on in the press conference with a CBS reporter that didn't get a lot of press because of the -the off-the-rails, dictatorial, totalitarian nonsense that he was spewing forth from his pie hole. And it involves exactly how ignorant Donald Trump is, how stupid Donald Trump is. Look, I don't expect a politician, a real estate developer, let's be kind, if if that's what you want to call him, a failed reality TV game show host. That's really what he is. I don't expect him to know about epidemiology or virology or, or immunology, pandemic science. I don't expect the president, especially this moron, 
to know about that kind of thing. But what I do expect from a president is to rely upon the, the expert advice of his advisors. Not political advice, but science advice. And it is clear from the answer he gave this reporter that he is not interested in any of that. Watch the clip. But how do you close up the United States of America? So on January 6th, no deaths. On January 11th, no deaths. And no, no cases. On January 17th, no cases, no cases, no deaths. I'm supposed to close up the United States of America when I have no cases. All I'm saying is this. How do you close down the greatest economy in the history of the world when on January 17th you have no cases and no death? When on January 21st you have one case and no death. One case. Think of that. Now, we're supposed to close down the country. Now, I don't know if that struck you the way that it struck me. Let me explain to you why it's very troublesome, supremely bothersome to me. Let's, as we do, let's, let's go over the quote. But how do you close up the United States of America so on January 6th, no deaths? On January 11th, no deaths. And no cases. On January 17th, no cases, no cases, no deaths. I'm supposed to close up the United States of America when we have no cases? And then the second segment of that clip, he says, all I'm saying is this, how do you close down the greatest economy in the history of the world when on January 17th you have no cases or no death? When on January 21st you have one case and no death? Think of that. That's exactly when you do close down the United States of America and implement some sort of social distancing policy, dipshit. Because you need to be proactive as a leader, not reactive. You shouldn't be reacting to things as they happen. You should be looking down the field, looking ahead on your chessboard to see what moves you should be making at future times. And Donald Trump isn't interested in that. And it's not as though he doesn't have some of the best and the brightest around him, like Anthony Fauci, who certainly was giving him this advice. How is it that South Korea was so on top of this? They saw what was coming. They implemented policies in advance of its arrival. Did not wait. And now we're sitting at, let's look at the number. As I'm speaking right now, it is 8.42 p.m. West Coast time. 609,458 cases. Over 26,000 Americans are dead. I'm going to play the same clip that I've been playing on Twitter and, and, and on my Facebook page for my podcast when Donald Trump said that when you have 15 people, this is on January 26th, when you have 15 people and the 15 within, within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero, that's a pretty good job we've done.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.